0: The book of Haggai, just a couple of things before we jump into it, introduction-wise, the previous nine prophets that we've been talking about, these previous nine, what are called minor prophets, because of the length of their message, not because of the content of their message, they were all prophesying before the judgment of God came upon Israel. They were all prophesying about the reality that there was going to be a foreign nation come and conquer Israel, as part of the disciplining of God because of the way they had been living their lives and the way they'd ignored the Lord's commandments. So all of them up to this point were prophesying about this thing that is in the future. Now when we get to Haggai, we are now now to the first prophet who is prophesying what's called post-exile. Post-exile, in other words, Babylon had conquered Israel and Jerusalem. And they took captive many of the Israelites. And what they did when they did this, it's not like they took all 100% of the Jewish people, the Israelites. They kind of picked the best. So most of them would have been from the city of Jerusalem. They would have taken educated men like Daniel and his friends. They would have taken them and they took them to what was called Babylon. Now it's actually going to be... uh, releasing them, because we're going post-exile now. So what happened is, just a little bit of history, the Babylonian Empire ruled for a number of years. They conquered a lot. They conquered and took Israel into exile. Then the Persian Empire was raised up. And the Persian Empire is in control at this particular time. So they are released, and we'll go into this in a little detail. But that's what's going on, and we need to realize Haggai is post exile The disciplining of God is, I'll never say completed because it's never completed. But that main thing that I've been prophesying about has taken place. So the title of the message this morning is Consider Your Ways. Because this is the message that Haggai was given from the Lord to the people of Israel to consider your ways. What we're really talking about is it's time to check your priorities, check out your priorities. First, I want to share just a story as an illustration, and then I'll actually share a true story as an illustration. Some of you can maybe relate to this. You deer hunters might. There was a group of guys went off to deer camp. They're going to go hunting deer. And there's quite a few of them. So what they did each morning, they would break up into twos, and they would go as a team to go hunt the deer. So they'd walk to wherever they were going to be, and they would hunt. Then one evening, all of the hunters are back in camp except two. And finally they see, here comes Joe, and he's got this big 10-point buck he's struggling to carry into camp. And they all come, and they look at the buck, and they go, where's Tom? And they go, well, Tom had some sort of minor stroke back there on the trail about two miles out, and I left him there. You left Tom laying on the trail after he had a medical emergency? Well, yeah, I looked the situation over, and I realized nobody's going to come and steal Tom. <laughs> There's a man who has his priorities all screwed up. All your deer hunters are going, amen. You need to resect your priorities. But here's the true story, and on the total opposite side of this picture. Some of you may know, how many of you know, that there was a man who was President Potempo of the United States for one day. Shortest term ever, one day. President James Polk spent his last day as president, March 3rd, 1849, long time ago. And at midnight that night, Polk was out of office. But the man who had won the election and was to be his successor was General Zachary Taylor. Zachary Taylor was a devout Christian and a staunch churchgoer. And he refused to be sworn in on March 4th, 1849 because it was a Sunday. He said going to church was a higher priority than becoming president of the United States. He postponed his inauguration until Monday, March 5th. So for one day, a U.S. senator named David Acheson of Missouri was the temporary president of the United States. His priorities were such that there was something in his mind more important than being inaugurated as the President of the United States, and that was going to church and worshipping there 's a man who had his priorities in a nice order well with hey guy we 're going to be discovering that the people here had a lot of messed up priorities, and their priorities got him in trouble now. I want to just define a priority sort of. You can define things so many ways, but give you this definition of a priority. Go ahead to the slide, please. Priority, the thing that's done first, the first thing, the most important thing, the most urgent or most critical thing for success or for our life, our top priority. It's the driving force of our thinking and our action. It's that thing that motivates us, that drives us encourages us, challenges us, forces us to get up every morning. What is that priority? Now, we know that things happen every day. So when I look at it, it's not the same as a response to immediate demands around us. I think we all understand well enough, whatever our main priority or top two or three priorities, you know, things happen, and then we have to deal with them. And sometimes we have to deal with that thing right now, and we have to put off something else that may may be one of our top priorities. That's not what we're talking about here. Not those immediate day-to-day things. We are talking about the priorities that drive us. The first thing, the most important thing. That's what we're looking at. And the people's problems when Haggai is called by God to speak to the people is quite simple. They had misplaced priorities. We're going to look at a couple of them here very quickly. When you think of them, if you've been listening at all in the last nine prophets, you realize... Their priorities were all goofed up when it came to worshiping God and obeying His Word. That's what led them into exile in the first place. Their priorities were all wrong. For years, they have refused and failed to honor Yahweh, their God, as the only true God. You may remember we talked about, they didn't deny He existed, they just added a whole bunch of other things to it. Misplaced priority. So God disciplined them. And it was a firm discipline, a harsh discipline. But remember, the difference between discipline, if you would, and punishment when it comes to God, and hopefully it should come to be the same in our lives when we discipline, it's always to discipline to bring them back into a right place. Punishment, discipline can almost be interchanged at times. With God, he always disciplines his people to bring them back into relationship. The enemies may be punished, but his people are disciplined. And he disciplined them, and he expelled them from the promised land. And they expelled them for 70 years. They were in exile. And throughout that 70-year captivity, the people kind of became pretty comfortable. In 539 B.C., and again, Most of you probably aren't paying any attention to these dates, but it was 70 years earlier when Babylon captured them. And now in in 539 B.C., the Persians defeated the Babylonian Empire. And one year later, the very next year, King Cyrus of the Persian Empire, he told all of the exiles, you're free to go. You're free to go back to your homes. You're free to go back and worship your gods. You're free to go and live as you would choose to live with this little caveat, as long as you remember to pay your taxes and honor the king. So they were set free. After 70 years, they could leave exile and go home. Well, their second misplaced priority manifests quite quickly. If you think about this, 70 years have passed. Let's say we uprooted your family. Your heritage has been right here in southwest Minnesota. And we take you away, maybe even to a foreign nation. And after 70 years, we say, now you can come back. Well, now you've got offspring, grandchildren, maybe some great-grandchildren, and none of them even remember the promised land. None of them know anything but that new place, that new country. They've developed new friends, new relationships. The Israelites that were in exile actually had it pretty good. It wasn't like they were all slaves. They were able to live their lives. They could know their neighbors. They could fellowship with people. They could work. So 70 years have passed and King Cyrus says, okay guys, you can all go home now and Worship your God. Be autonomous. But guess what happened? They didn't all go home. They had misplaced priorities. They had forgotten that the promised land was God's place of blessing for them to go and live. Why? The Bible doesn't tell us for sure. We do see a number. Approximately 50,000 people did go back. But the rest didn't go. Why wouldn't they go home? Well, it doesn't tell us specifically, but if we just think about this, they would have to leave the familiar to go to the unfamiliar, kind of like Laura's doing. That's a little scary. They were comfortable. They were at ease. They were set there. So a lot of them didn't go go, go home simply because of that. Their comfort level and the fear of that unknown. What are we going to go back to? God, even our, our our parents and grandparents that might have remembered that after 70 years, they're almost all dead. Anybody that was over 20 years old would have been over 90 years old. There isn't many of them left. What are we going back to? And if they do know anything about it, what they probably really understand is, if we go back, there's going to be one heck of a lot of work. When Babylon conquered at Jerusalem, they destroyed the city. They destroyed the walls. You're not going to go home and check out and look for the family house because it doesn't exist anymore. It's going to be hard work. The temple has been leveled. The roads have been destroyed. The farmland has been untaken care of. So here's the deal. I know you're comfortable. I know you've got a nice little home here. I know this is where your great-great-grandparents lived, but now you can go home to where they lived. And you do. wouldn't it be natural? I think this is pretty good. We'll stay right here. God's chosen people choosing not to go back to the chosen land that He blessed them with to worship at the place that He declared they were to worship. Misplaced priorities. And quite honestly, some of them were just totally apathetic spiritually. You can imagine the ones that had maintained a faith and, and tried to worship Yahweh, tried to worship their God, they had no temple They had no real priesthood. They had no one to really lead them. Just spiritual apathy sets in. It's just not that big a deal. We don't need to go. And then when they did go back, they had, again, misplaced priorities, things that discouraged them and prevented what they were supposed to do. What they were supposed to do was go back and rebuild the temple. Well, they went back But, just like any of us would probably think, gee, we don't have a house to live in. We can't live in this tent forever. We need to build a house. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to start preparing some of the roads again. We need to get the fields cleared and get them in a place where we can grow some crops so we don't starve to death. We need to do all these things, all good things, amen? But not the God thing. They were supposed to go back, build the temple, Restore the altar and restore worship. Well, they got back and some of the leaders got them into gear and they poured the foundation. Well, they didn't pour anything. (laughs) They laid the foundation of the temple and they built the altar and they started to worship. Things are looking pretty good. But then discouragement came. The naysayers, the Samaritans in particular, part Jewish people, part Gentile, scaring him, threatening him. The work was overwhelming. They decided we better take care of all these other things first. So for 16 years, nobody did anything on the temple. Nothing. It was all about taking care of and meeting their own needs. And one of the things that discouraged them was they remembered hearing about this magnificent temple that had been built. Solomon's amazing temple. And anybody who had heard the story and heard the description of this temple could turn and look at the temple we're building and go, this isn't very good. This is nothing like what our forefathers had to worship. We don't have the stuff they had. Discouragement sets in. And then we come to Haggai. And Haggai, I'm going to just read one verse and then we're going to read a couple of them around him. In Haggai 1, verse 8, Haggai says these words, speaking for the Lord. He says, Go up into the mountains, bring down timber, and build the house, the temple, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. The most important part of that sentence is the last three words, four words, that I. I may have pleasure, take pleasure in it, and be honored. The motivator, God is saying, this is what I want you to do, and this is why I want you to honor me. Honor me. Is what you're doing honoring me? Well, we see from what they did, they thought all their other reasons for not doing the God thing were all these other good things, but they were really misplaced priorities. It can happen so easy in our own lives, can't it? All of a sudden, these things, is there anything wrong with this? No, there's nothing wrong with that except it's not the best thing. It's a good thing. I'm tired of living in this tent. I think we'll build a house. Is there anything wrong with that? No, it's a good thing. But it wasn't what they were told to do. And you could go on and on down the list. And in our own lives, we can have the same thing, the same scenario plays out with just different misplaced priorities. Is there anything wrong with going and doing this, that, or the other thing? Probably not. But is it keeping you from doing the God thing? Is there anything wrong with skipping church to become inaugurated as the President of the United States? No. Of course not. Who would have done that? Well, one man. Because it was his priority. I'm not going to miss church. Not everybody's priorities are the same. And they can all look different. They can be manifest different in our lives. But they believed what was going on around them justified their behavior. I want to read a few verses in chapter 1 of Haggai, starting at verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty said. These people say, The time has yet not come for the Lord's house to be built, with all their many excuses. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways, or in other words, consider your ways. Check your priorities. You have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough to eat. You drink, but you never have your full. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains. Bring down the timber. Build the house. Why? So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle and labor of your hands. He's saying, whatever your excuses were, they may not have been bad things, but it's preventing you from doing the God thing, the best thing. It's preventing you from bringing pleasure to me as God and honoring me. And back then, you got to remember, they were living under the law. And living under the law was a very, very clear truth. Obedience brought blessing. Disobedience brought cursing. And God is saying, I have been disciplining you. I've been trying to show you, get your priorities right, that I may bless you as my people, as a nation. But they thought their reasons were good enough. And the thing that we need to grab here, I believe, is the thing that I think Haggai was stressing with the people. The reason this is so important is simply to bring pressure to the Lord and honor Him. You know, everything, the Bible says clearly that all things are created for God. All things are created by God. All things are created for His glory. You and I have been created for His glory, to bring Him pleasure, to honor Him. And one of the things that we need to be certain of and aware of is how are our priorities lining up? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Is it the best thing? Is it the God thing? The proper response when we receive that challenge, we see it finally after 16 years in the people. They acted by faith and took action, took steps. You know, it's really easy sometimes. I know at least in my life it's been easy sometimes. To say, Okay, yeah, that's a really good idea. I can see why that may be maybe what you'd like me to do. Great. And then the most urgent thing comes, and I go there, and I forget about all of this over here that God really made clear. It's not that the bad things distracted me. Good things distracted me. But it kept me from the God thing. Thankfully, we are in the dispensation of grace. So God understands, and he will give us second chances, or he will raise up someone else. But oftentimes it makes me wonder, how different might it have been? What would the blessings have looked like if I would have just did the one thing instead of the good things? And we can all do that. The Bible tells us, you know, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So many times when God asks us to do things, he asks us to do things that look ridiculous or seem impossible. It just seemed crazy. And what do we do? Well, I'm not good at the impossible. I don't like the crazy. And I prefer the easy over the hard. So we just kind of keep doing the good thing. And in our mind, I'm doing the good thing. Lord, how can you not like me doing the good thing? Because it's not the best thing. So when they got discouraged... In Haggai 2, verse 4, God declares something to them that we need to always remember. They're discouraged. They just want to give up. They're frustrated. It's hard. I mean, living the way they're living had to be hard life. It's hard. Starting over. And he says to them in verse 4 of chapter 2, Now be strong, O Zerubbabel, he's one of the two primary leaders, declares along the Lord, Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the other primary leader. But he doesn't stop there. He says, Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. There's the encourager of all encouragements. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're doing, whatever I've called you to, no matter how hard it looks, no matter how hard it is, no matter the challenges that you confront, no matter the many, many things that take place that could cause us to want to quit, give up. We need to be reminded, if it is the Lord's call, I am with you, says the Lord. And when He's with us, the promises of God come alive. All of a sudden, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He is the God of the impossible. In my flesh, I can barely do the possible. But if we remind ourselves, He's with us. He's with us. We get discouraged, He will comfort us. We don't know what to do, He will teach us. When we're ready to quit and so frustrated, encouragement just comes up from the Holy Spirit, from God, working in us and through us. The Lord reminded them of His presence. You know, give careful thought, consider. There's a couple of scriptures I want to share here quickly. In Psalms 90, verse 1 and 2, it says, Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days aright. Teach us to do the right thing. Teach us to plan ahead according to what God wants. Teach us so that we could acquire wisdom. And in Ephesians 5, verse 15, be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. You know, I can be a world champion procrastinator. Man, I can know that I got to have this done. Let's see, I think I might experience this about every week when I know the Sunday's coming. Oh man, this sermon time at 11 o'clock on Saturday night. Wasn't there time I could have done it? No, I was really busy, really busy, doing a whole lot of good things. This week wasn't 11 o'clock, just so you know. How do we, What does this look like? And, and boy, I hope you don't hear judgment coming from me. What does it look like to make sure your priorities are in the right place? Well, I want to say this. It, it's, some things are clear in the Bible in principle. You can't turn to the Bible... And necessarily see, here's the six points. These are your top six priorities. I think if we do any time, anything in the Bible, we know very, very quickly, our top priority is what? The Lord. Priority number one. Problem with that is, what does that look like in your life? Compared to my life? Or his life? Or her life? Man, we got to be careful because just because it's my top priority may not be all of your top priority in the way it's going to look and manifest itself. So all of a sudden, we can get ourselves really distracted by starting to judge other people, judge their hearts. Our priorities can be to serve the Lord and what that looks like. And even in my own life, how, do, how does it look if, yes, serving the Lord, knowing the Lord, having a relationship with the Lord is a top priority? Okay, so how many hours a day does that take for Bible study? Or prayer? Or serving? We're helping other people. Man alive, I can get into such legalism. Even with that. And thus again, we can get a really critical eye and a critical spirit towards other people, other Christians. Because it may or may not look the same at all. We need to be concerned about the one thing first. Me and my relationship with the Lord. Lord, what is it you would have me to do today? What would you have me to do this hour? what would you have me to do how can i honor you and bring you pleasure it's going to look different for all of us so i want to encourage us to check our priorities consider our ways if the lord is your number 1 priority does everybody see that recognize that it may not look the same but it should be obvious You can spend some time in Scripture and you can discover pretty quickly the second priority is supposed to be your family. And then you can go down the list anywhere you want. Somewhere down there is your job. Somewhere is this, that, or the other thing. But are those top priorities where they need to be? And if it is the top priority, is that what gets your passion stirred? Is that what causes you to be excited about what today is going to bring? Or is it the next recreation activity, the new car, the new? Check it out. What's our first thoughts? You know, we can look, and I'm not going to go down this road, but they always say if you want to check your priorities, let me look at your calendar and your checkbook. Some of you, checkbooks are things we used to write on a piece of paper, and how much money we were going to spend and who we were going to give it to. Check those two things. And you you could go down that and look at it and it's a lot of truth there. But again, my top priority could manifest differently than yours. So really, this is a matter of heart. You know, Haggai came as this prophet. And it's so cool to be a prophet like Haggai because people listened. (laughs) Imagine that. They listened to the word of the Lord. They took action. Yeah, that's the kind of prophet you want to be. Those poor other nine Just kept getting ignored. He spoke the word. They made the changes. They took action. Sometimes we need someone else to speak into our life, someone to hold us accountable, someone who will do it in love and not judgment. But sometimes we can get off track. Husbands need our wives, wives need our husbands, kids need our parents, we need good friends to help keep us on track. But we always got to remember, just as if with Haggai, Haggai spoke the word of the Lord. Haggai went and proclaimed this to the people, but Haggai did not change a single heart. God did. Only God can change the heart. So even when we are looking at others, encouraging others, doing it in the most loving way, we have to remember, all we can do is be the messenger of the Lord, do it in love, with their permission, is the best way. But realize God's got to change the heart. These prophets were called by God to just go deliver the message. Jonah, he didn't like the way that went. Look what happened to him. We just deliver the message. So my encouragement this morning from the book of Haggai, a very short book, is we're told in there a couple different times, just consider your ways. What are your priorities? In our culture, it's easy to get our priorities all messed up. You know, we sometimes talk about those third world countries. How come there's always good things happening in revivals? Why, do, you know, that deep country, that village in Africa. Well, they got nothing else to do except try to figure out where they're going to get their next meal and some clean water. And they, they just love the Lord. We've got a million things to distract us. And most of those distractions are fun. They're enjoyable. And God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to have fun, but he always wants to be our top priority. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning for the joy that we've had just seeing you work. God, in Laura's life, to be able to be a part of sending her out on this ministry you're called her to, To know, Lord, that you have a plan for every single one of us in this room, everybody watching online, that you have a plan for every one of our lives. They all will look different. God, but we know the one thing that you want to be the same in all of them is you want to be top priority in our life. That our relationship with you should be our top priority. So, Father, I pray that by your Spirit and because of your grace, you will enable each one of us to see those things that maybe need to be rearranged, as we consider our ways. Things that need to be shifted. Things that be moved around. Anything that's competing with our top priority. God, we acknowledge that day-to-day life happens. Things change. But God, we know that you don't change and you always wanted and always will want relationship with your kids. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will do that work, whatever it is, in each one of us to fulfill that call that you have on our life, starting with the relationship with you. We pray as we go our separate way, God, we go under your protection, led by your Holy Spirit, praying and making every effort to bring glory and honor to you in all that we do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.